Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. Thank you to everyone that helps with the services behind the scenes and in front. Uh, we couldn't do it, couldn't do it with, without you. Thank you uh, for your help today. I mean, if this is the last in the series of Unstoppable. We've been kind of walking through the book of Acts. Going to finish up today. We're going to miss most of Paul's life. Next time I preach on Acts, we'll, we'll look more at Paul's, uh, Paul's life. But we're going to jump to the end in Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 27 tells us about the shipwreck that Paul was in. Okay, and then they end up on this island, and that's where we're going to pick up uh, the, the word today. Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta, and the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw that the snake uh, hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook off the snake in the fire and suffered no ill effects. Okay, so let's do this. Can you do this? Okay, that's going to be a theme today. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius and the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, he placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies we needed. The message today is entitled, Shake Off the Snakes. Shake off the snakes. Now, I want to just establish a fact, okay? Snakes are bad. Snakes are bad. Okay, no, bad. Never in the Bible does it mention snake in a good way. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, snakes are bad. How many are with me? We had this terrible thing happen at my house a few years ago where a, a snake showed up. Do we have that picture there? Wait, there's one, is there one before that? Go to the next one. Look at that thing. Forty, forty, forty feet that thing was. So I'm, it was the same one. I'm in the office doing the work of the Lord. Dory's out there taking pictures of this snake and sending them to me. Now, I don't know that it was necessary to get up out of my chair and lock the door, but I did. I don't know if that was needed, but it made me feel better. So she's sending pictures, pictures to me. And then the, the other one. 
look at, I don't know if you can tell on the top, he's looking into my house. He's looking for me. And then that's him on a tree. It's hard to see. It's a little dark. It's 50 feet long. Now, some people say, they'll look at that and they'll say, oh, this is, a, this is, a, it can't hurt you. Listen, let me set this straight too. I'm teaching you today. I'm a teacher. If I die of a heart attack because of that snake, the snake killed me. It doesn't have to be poisonous in order to kill me. It, imagine if I was walking home, turned the corner, and there was that snake. I could have died. My mom listens to our online service, and so I told this story. I was mowing the lawn when I was probably a teenager, and we had a ditch at the end by the road. Uh, I don't know if you have ditches, but that, anyway. So I'm mowing and, and I'm pushing, and uh, I saw something black. I thought it was an inner tube from a bike, and I reached down, and it moved. So I took off running. I left the mower running. And ran into the house. My mom went out and got the mower and brought it in. Snakes are bad. Snakes, snakes are bad. One time I'm mowing the lawn. This is here. This is not too, it wasn't the same snake, was it? It was the same snake, same one that was at John's. Kenny's. Kenny's wife does the same thing to him, sends him pictures. It's, it's awful. Next week we're preaching on marriage. But anyway... So I'm mowing, I'm mowing the lawn, and I see this snake, and so I, <laughs> I'm on this big mower, and I have my phone with me, and I call the house. I'm right out in the front yard. Door, there's a snake. Come out here. She's like, what, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I haven't mowed under the tree yet, and it's up in the tree, and you have to watch it to make sure that it doesn't fall out of the tree, fall on me, and I die of a heart attack. <laughs> she goes, let me check the life insurance policy, and I'll be right out. People that are new to the church, they'll say, was it really 40 feet? No, just, you'll get used to me. I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> so here's the deal. Let me get a little, little more serious, not much. So here's Paul, had been serving the Lord, literally. I mean, just serving the Lord in, a, in an amazing way. He's shipwrecked, and they end up on this island, and he's the apostle Paul, okay? Raised people from the dead, healed the sick, but he's helping put a fire together and he gets the wood and there was a snake in there and the snake bit him and he shook it off and had no ill effects from it, okay? What I want to talk to you about today are there are other snakes that are more deadly than real snakes. There are other snakes that are more deadly than real snakes, I joke about having a heart attack. I mean, it is possible, but I joke about that. But there are snakes in our lives that we deal with that are more harmful because they, not, they don't affect our physical body. They affect our spiritual life. And those are much more deadly because if we allow those snakes in our lives to hang on, 
If we allow them to hang on and we don't shake them off, they can move us away from God and far from God. So I want to talk to you about three snakes today that we need to shake off, okay? The first one is the snake of criticism. The snake of criticism. And I'm going to spend quite a few minutes on this, and I'll spend more time on the first point than the, than the next two. But this criticism snake is important. When Paul uh, was bit by the snake, the first thing they said was he deserved it. He deserved it. The snake of criticism, something was going on. Now, we call it, I'm sorry, crisis, not criticism. Crisis. I'm going to get to criticism. Uh, the snake of crisis, okay? Being bit by a poisonous snake is certainly a crisis. I want to give you some pointers on crises, okay? And these are just pastoral, but they're important. Not everything that you face in life is a crisis. And if you emotionally make everything in your life a crisis, you won't have the emotional energy to deal with true crisis. Now, I'm going to simplistically define crisis for us today, and there are many ways to define it. Simplistically, it's this. Anything that forces you to stop your normal course of events, that is a crisis. What we've been through is a, is on the planet with this uh, pandemic, it is a crisis. It stopped us from our normal life. And again, I'm going to just use extreme examples to show what a crisis is. If your child gets injured and you have to take them to the emergency room, the rest of your life stops. That is a crisis. Your spouse, you lose a job, um, a death in the family, uh, a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Yeah, these are crises. But not everything in life is a crisis. Like uh, we were at Arby's when we were traveling to Ohio and because of everything going on in their delivery system, they didn't have their curly fries, okay? And while it hurt, hurt deeply, not a crisis, didn't change my day, didn't change my destination, okay? I've watched people respond to different things as if it's a crisis when it's really not a crisis. So... Not everything that happens in your life is a crisis. I've told this story before, but it always, uh, even as I was talking to Dora about the sermon, she reminded me of it again. We were living up north, and our son uh, played t-ball, and we made friends with one of the families there, and she came to the ball field, and she was practically in tears. And I said to her, uh, what's, you know, is everything okay? Uh, your husband's okay? Your, your kid's sick? And she, she goes, oh, no, no, no. She said, I ordered tile to go around the jacuzzi in our master bathroom, and it was the wrong tile they sent. I said, I'm a pastor. You realize I deal with, like, cancer and death. That's not a crisis. But it's that type of thing that reminded me that not everything that happens is a crisis, and if you move in your mentality from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, you're moving in the wrong direction. I'll get to the point that, yes, crises do happen, but not everything is. Second part, sub-point. Not everyone else's crisis is your crisis. Okay? Not everyone else's crisis is your crisis. The meme of the week online was, I turned the news off 
and watched a documentary on serial killers so I could relax. Because if you watch the news constantly, it begins to get inside of you. And you recognize every news network, whichever one, they just play to your own biases. You get that, right? Because they're after viewers. And so they're not going to tell you something you don't agree with because you're not going to watch it. You get that, right? You get that if you follow the money, it explains most things in life. Okay? I've said this for years. I continue to say it. Don't watch the 24-hour news. Watch the news, find out what's going on, and turn it off. Don't leave it on as background noise. Don't watch the 11 o'clock news. Why on earth would you want to go to bed watching the Philadelphia 11 o'clock news that begins with murder, death, child abduction, and everything else? Okay? So not, every, not everything is a crisis. Not everybody else's crisis is your crisis. We should have empathy and we should have sympathy and we should, you know, love them. But you can't accept emotionally everyone else's crisis. You just can't do it. it it'll wear on you. You won't have the energy and the strength that you need. Galatians chapter 6, this is something else I've taught on often because it's so important. Galatians chapter 6 in the first few verses, it says this, bear one another's burdens. And then a couple verses down, it says, carry your own load. Okay? And so how do we reconcile the idea of bearing one another's burdens but just carry your own load? And here it is. And if you don't know this, write it down because this is going to help you in life. One is a boulder. And one is a what? Does anybody remember? A backpack. See, the boulder is crisis. The boulder is a family member loses their job and you need to help them. The boulder is, you know, a child or a spouse. You know, that's a boulder. Hey, we rally the troops and we help one another. The backpack are everybody's own day-to-day -day responsibilities that we're responsible for. If you take on everyone's backpack... Your back's going to hurt, and you're not going to be able to fulfill your own responsibilities because you're too worried about everybody else's responsibilities. You have to look at it with wisdom. They, they, they say this, and this is true. If you have a soft heart, you have to have a strong mind because a soft heart's going to want to help everybody and do everything and fix everything, and that's nice, but you can't do it because you're not God. Okay? And sometimes you see what other people are going through and you wish you could, but you can't because you're not God and you shouldn't because they need to learn through it. Okay, watch. Simple example. If you're a parent and you're constantly carrying your kid's backpack, guess what? They'll never grow any stronger. If you're constantly doing their responsibilities, their, whatever they're supposed to be doing as a normal kid, then they're never going to grow up. Never. Because they know that you're going to do it eventually anyhow. I, I heard this from a preacher one time. He said, the issue with you cleaning your child's room after you told them a hundred times to clean it and then you end up cleaning it, the issue is, now he said it, not me, is you're just lazy. I thought, wow, that's kind of harsh. You're too lazy to carry out the consequences of their own responsibilities. You're not helping that kid. You're not helping them at all. Okay, and then they get married and they expect their, their wife to
do it. The wife looks at him and says, I ain't your mother. Cricket, cricket, pin drop. <laughs> Not everything's a crisis. Not every crisis is yours. Crisis will happen. If you think because you love Jesus, no crisis will happen, then you, 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 you're mistaken. You're mistaken. It's a nice thought. It's just not real. Just because you serve Jesus and have served him for decades doesn't mean that you won't ever face difficulties. There was someone that served God fully. He was completely in tune with the will of God. And he faced crisis. His name was Jesus. There was someone that served God in ways that most people will never experience, and he faced crisis. His name was Paul. There was someone that served God even to the cost and the consequences. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was someone that would not bow to another God, and he faced crisis of the lion's den. His name was Daniel. And I can go on and on and on. Not everything's a crisis. Not everyone else's crisis is your crisis, but you will face crisis. And so what do you do? If that's the snake of crisis, how do you shake off that snake of crisis? Ready? You can jot this down if you want. Make a path, a direct path to the promises of God. How do you shake off that snake of crisis? Make a direct path to the promises of God. Now let me share some of these promises. Whoa, sorry that are for all of us. The reason, before I get to that, the reason we were laughing back there, when I sat down on that, it creaked. And I said to Sarah, I said, if it breaks, I'm resigning right here on the spot, right here on the spot. And then I sat down on it, and I was thinking, well, these little Italians, they were a lot smaller than I am. I'll tell you that. If they fit four people on that thing anyway. So now I trip over. Something's going to get me anyhow. Look at the promises. Make a direct path to the promises of God. And all of these start with a P, okay? First, his presence. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you and never forsake you. Was God with Paul when he got bit by the snake? Yes. Is God with you when you're going through a crisis? And you might be going through it now, a real legit crisis. You might be experiencing that now. God is with you because he said he would never leave you and never forsake you. And here's how you pray. God, this is what I'm going through, and you name the crisis, but I know you're with me. I'm telling you, that literally changes things. That literally changes things. When you just speak those words, God, this is what I'm going through, but I know you're with me because you promised to never leave me and never forsake me. It'll change everything. When I was in the hospital however, whenever that was, and Dor left the first time, and I was pretty sick at that point, and uh, the enemy said, oh, see, you're all alone now, and the Holy Spirit said, no, God said, I will never leave you and never forsake you, and peace came upon me, and it sustained me throughout the rest of the hospital stay. Promises of God, the presence of God, the promised victory of God. 1 Corinthians 15 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We will have victory over crisis through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I thank you that you're with me, and I thank you that victory is coming, not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who you are and what you've done. See, if, you're, if your faith is in your goodness, Lord, answer my prayer because I did this, or Lord, answer my prayer because I've served you and all of this stuff, that's the wrong way. Because then you'll never know whether God's going to hear or answer because your life is too up and down. We don't base his promises on our goodness. We base his promises on his goodness. God, I thank you that you hear my prayers, not because I'm good, because you're good. I thank you, God, that you proved your goodness on the cross. That never changes. The cross is still the same through every crisis. And victory comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. They defeated the enemy by the word of their testimony and through the blood of the Lamb. Glory to God. When crisis comes and that snake attaches to you and you're overwhelmed, make a path to the promises of God, his presence, his promised victory, his purpose for our good, and all things work together for our good for those who are called who, those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God, I don't know what's going on here, but I know you're working for my good, and I thank you for it. Can you just sense the snake falling off as you're quoting scripture and as you're allowing, instead of crisis to get into your heart, you're allowing Christ to get into your heart, and instead of being a victim to the crisis, you're a victor through Jesus Christ our Lord. His power I love this. I don't know if you know this one. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ask or more than we could imagine. His power. Matthew 28.18, some of the last things Jesus said on earth. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I'll add to that as a believer, he's your older brother, he's your savior, he's your protector, he's your, he's the victory, he's, he's the warrior that you need. I used to preach years ago, are you a wimp or are you a warrior? And there's some truth to that. But it's more like, are you a wimp or you've trust, have you trusted Jesus to be a warrior for you? Because I found out I am a wimp. It's not as easy to preach. When you think you're a warrior, that's a great sermon. When you look in the mirror and realize without Jesus, you're just a wimp. And you need someone greater than yourself to fight through this victory for you. And that's what Jesus has done, will do, and will always do for you. So the first snake is crisis. Shake it off. Come on. Shake it off. I'll wait. I can see all of you. Even in the back. Frank? Okay, good. Uh, you didn't see, you didn't think I could see you. I could see you. You're trying to hide back there, but you can't. I can see you. And how do we shake it off? By making a path to the promises of God. Okay, number two, the snake of criticism. I should part, start putting the order of service up there too so I can keep track of it. <laughs> the snake, the snake of criticism. As soon as he was bitten by the snake, the people of the island began to criticize him. Here's a, an interesting point. Your response to crisis will always bring criticism from other people. Your response to crisis will bring criticism to other people, uh, from other people. 
Criticism is just part of it. It's just part of life. Now, some of you, unfortunately, have been criticized your whole life. And I'm sorry for that, and I am, because it has affected your life. But I want to tell you somebody that doesn't criticize you, he loves you, and his name is Jesus. And he's greater than your parent, and he's greater than your sibling. He's greater than your spouse. He's greater than your work associate. If you've been criticized your whole life, then this is very, very difficult, and it has affected your life. That's a snake that you can shake off, and I'm going to show you and tell you how to do that in just a minute. Your response to crisis will bring criticism. Nick Saban, who is the head coach, does anybody know? Phil? Alabama, Crimson Tide. How many Alabama fans do we have here? Perfect. None. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sensing the presence of God. I had friends that were Alabama fans. I had to unfriend them. They're obnoxious. Anyway, Nick Saban, he says this. They were in a press conference. You know how it goes. He says this, I don't have an opinion about everyone else's opinion. I love that. I don't have an opinion about everybody else's opinion. That's how he handles criticism. Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, he said this, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. It's good. It's good. You, you, you'd think that everybody would be happy with ice cream, but, you know, miserable people don't even like ice cream. It's true. If you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. Zig Ziglar said, don't be distracted by criticism. Remember, the only taste of success some people have is when they take a bite out of you. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, Dale Carnegie, any fool can criticize, complain, and condemn, and most fools do. But it takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving. It's good. Some people, I'm just going to talk to you straight, are so miserable that they don't want anyone to be happy around them. And they have, whether they've said it or not, they have made it their life mission to make everyone as miserable as they are. Love them anyhow, okay? Love them anyhow. Pray for them. Pray for them. But don't be like them. Don't be like them. And the last quote of criticism, I don't know who said it, but I like it. Don't accept criticism from anyone you would not ask for advice. Okay? Now, remember that and think about that. Don't accept criticism from anyone you wouldn't ask for advice. That miserable person whose life is a disaster because of their own choices that they made, you don't have to accept their criticism. But if there are people in your life that you trust and respect and know that even if they offer some instruction, they have your best in mind, then accept it from them. Everybody else reject. That's harsh. That's harsh. As a leader, and God called me to be a leader, I don't know why. Honestly, I never wanted to be a leader. I, I'm, I'm much happier letting other people tell me what to do and just following them. I can follow any leader that leads. I really can. I don't like always being the leader. I don't like it, but for some reason, God has put me in that position. And so I've had to learn over 35, longer than that, started leading youth at 16. However, I'm 54. 
uh, 54 for a couple more weeks. You have to learn to accept criticism because if you're a leader, you'll get criticism. And so I only listen to a few people. I know that sounds terrible, and I, I'm going to be harsh. I hate it. I hate being harsh. No, I don't. People that aren't on the boat rowing with you, I don't listen to. But that person that's right next to you that's struggling with you to row this boat, I listen to them. You should learn that. The person that's on the side and you have this boat and you're rowing and they're throwing stuff at you to try to sink you, you don't have to accept their criticism. You reject it in the name of Jesus. Criticism's part of life. The other part of it is, I'm going to go a little bit longer today. I apologize, but I am because this is important. Not only do you not have to take in all this criticism, but please, for goodness sakes, don't be a criticizer. Don't be the one that people run away from. Don't be the one that no one wants to accept your counsel. Be a Barnabas in someone's life. People are beat up and tired. Don't you just get tired? Don't you get tired of being an adult? Kids want to be adults. That's the dumbest thing ever. No, you don't. When our kids moved out of the house and got their own places, they would call and say, thank you so much for providing a home for us. We didn't realize how much was involved in it. And all they were doing was signing up for cable. People need an encourager. Encourage them and bless them that maybe God would give you an opportunity to be an influence in their life. There's not a person that you, come in, that you encounter that doesn't need encouragement and a blessing. They really don't. They're beat up everywhere. The world beats them up. Their family beats them up. The boss beats them up. Life beats them up. Are you, are you with me here? So don't be a criticizer either. Okay? We don't... What works for you at work will not work for you at home, okay? What works for you at work is necessary, but it won't work for you at home. And what works in uh, the, the, the process of whatever you do at work does not work in personal relationships. Let's say you're a, a guy or a woman that looks at the product and you have to determine whether it can be sold or not. And in my mind, I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go along. They find that that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. They look and they say, oh, no, there's a flaw. That's great at work because somebody needs to do it. It's terrible at home. And it destroys relationships. The sword at work is a positive thing. But sacrifice at home is the only thing that works. Don't be a criticizer. Okay, Tony Evans, who I love. He says this, when my kids were small, I took them to the Fort Worth Stock Show. This is a place where once a year, various livestock are put on display. Now, I'm no Farmer Brown, he says, but looking at the animals was fun, and so I took the kids. But it smells terrible there. It stinks really bad. There are all these animals, and they could only be kept so clean. That's a nice way of putting it. 
It wasn't long before we got there that I was ready to go. My kids begged me to stay just a little bit longer, but after a while, I couldn't take the smell anymore, and so we had to get out of there. He said, I gathered everyone up, and we made our way to the car, and it was still stinky. And we got in the car, and we made sure the windows were all up, and so we could escape the smell, but it was still stinky. And we got halfway home, and it was it was still stinky, and finally, we pulled up to our house, and the stink that was at, at Fort Worth Stock Show was in our house. How could it be stinking in Dallas when the problem was in Fort Worth? Well, I had somehow gotten the problem on my shoes. <laughs> it's easy to analyze everyone else, but you may actually be stinking yourself. That's Tony Evans. You can email him at... Oh, Crest Church in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, be careful. You're not the one carrying around the stink. That's also a nice way to put it. Okay, how do we shake? First one, make a path to the promises. Second one is you just keep making progress. Even if that progress is slow. Even if in the middle of a crisis you can barely make one step forward, just keep making that step forward. Because you walk you, you, you crawl, and then you walk, and then you run. But sometimes all we can do is just barely take that next step. What do we do with the criticism around us? We just keep progressing, and we don't let anyone or their words hinder us from fulfilling God's purpose in our life. We keep progressing. I love this quote. A train doesn't stop every time a dog barks at it. A train doesn't bark every time a dog barks at it. He, he, huh? The train doesn't bark either. No, see, I got to put stuff up here and just read it. It's pretty bad when I have it written in my notes and I don't even read it right. That's pretty bad. Thank you for your grace and your criticism. But anyway, no, 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 I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. A train does, uh, here, let me just read it. Let me just read it. A train <laughs> doesn't stop every time a dog barks at it. Look what Hebrews 12 says. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the witnesses encouraging us along in heaven. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus You'll know it as the author and perfecter of our, or finisher of our faith. I like the NIV says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you accept criticism, and you stop making progress, you will become weary and lose heart. And that's why the emotional snakes are more dangerous than physical snakes. So how do we shake off criticism? We just keep making progress. The last one, and this won't be as long. These people, the, the, the people that were there, they were sitting and watching Paul. And what were they, after the snake bit him, what were they waiting for him to do? That's the snake of cynicism. They expected a great fall from the apostle, 
They were a cynical crowd that looked for nothing good to come out of the situation. How many of you have been caught up in the cynic's words? You'll never make it. This won't work. You'll fall. You'll fail. What you're experiencing now isn't real. That's cynicism. And those words hurt. I've watched parents say to their children hurtful, terrible things. You're never going to make it. That's the dumbest thing ever. Those words hurt. Listen, you know how they hurt? You still remember some of them. Decades later, that's how much words hurt. Be careful. Don't be a criticizer and and don't be a cynic either. I told you the story with our kids. We call them game show proud. They never have to go on TV and try to earn our praise. We love them no matter what. We would love our children. You would too if they fell flat on their face. You know what we would tell them? You can get back up again. You can get back up again. Will you fail? Yes. Yes. You get back up again. Will you fall? Yes. You know what you do? You get back up again. The cynic will say, you might as well stay down. You're already defeated. Don't ever do that. Always get back up. Persevere. Promises of God. The second one. Sorry. Progress. Promises progress and persevere through difficult times. Just establish that I'm never going to give up. Spiritually establish this. I'm never going to give up on God because he will never give up on me. And even when I don't understand what's going on in the middle of this crisis, I trust him. And I trust him by quoting his promises. I trust him by taking one step at a time and making progress in my walk with him. I trust him by persevering and saying, I'm never going to quit. Even if I failed, even if I fall, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to keep serving him because I know God will never leave me and never forsake me. These snakes that we've talked about today are more deadly than real snakes. The snake of crisis, you will face them. In the middle of crisis, make a direct path to the promises of God. All you have to do is Google promises of God and let the word speak to you. That's all. Write them down. Highlight them in your Bible so you can, if you're just flipping through, you can just look at them and know that that's going to be a a great scripture. If you read it on your phone, you can highlight it. You can highlight it. And then what I'll do, if I come across the scripture that I'm reading and I like it, I highlight it so I can find it later. And then I hit share and I share it with someone that might need it. It's that easy. The word. Persevere to the end. Shake off these snakes. And here's why and I'll close. Because God is unstoppable. And if you lean on his promises you just make progress even if it's a a little bit at a time and you persevere 
with God's strength, you too will be unstoppable. No matter what crisis, no matter who criticizes, no matter the cynics in your life, you become unstoppable through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or more than we could imagine, to him be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.